Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, let me introduce you to the author of 1 Corinthians. Of course, you know this. It's none other than the Apostle Paul. And no doubt, guys, he is one of the most influential men who has ever who the world has ever known. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. You go like, well, like what, Ben? Well, we know that he is the greatest church planter of all time. He has a long history of pastoral ministry. The scars on his body bear witness to what? To his devotion to Jesus Christ. That's the author. Now, we're going to get more into Paul in just a moment, but let me introduce you to the church that he started in a place called Corinth. A place called Corinth. Now, to you and I, Corinth, we're like, well, that doesn't mean anything. But he started a church. It's a young, small church, but it was a divided group. Okay? He's only been there a year and a half. He's left. The church was going well while Paul was the pastor. He leaves, and all of a sudden, there's some stuff going on. It's divided. And it wasn't uncommon in the church of Corinth. Check this out, guys. It wasn't uncommon to see someone coming in drunk. You go, no way. Yeah, there was many arguing and most affirming what Paul rejects. So Pastor Paul hears this and says, man, I've got to do something. And so he writes them a letter. He writes them a letter. Now, Paul could have easily said, let me go back and try to fix the situation. But he knew a letter. They could circulate that letter and people's heart could be touched. And so again, here's what we discovered last week. As Paul writes this letter, guys, there were five main problems in Corinth. Five of them. And Paul addresses them. Now, we learn the very first thing that Paul does is he defines or describes the problem. That's always important, is it not? You go to somebody, go, I have a problem with you. Well, what is it? I just don't like, you know, you got to define the problem. Here's what's going on. And I love what he does. Why? Because after he defines the problem, Paul looks to the word of God right? He he looks to the Word of God through gospel lenses. It's not going, here's the problem. Let me give you my opinion. Let me tell you what I think. He goes, okay, here's the problem. Let's go back and let's put on our gospel lenses and let's see what Jesus has to say with that, right? He responds to every problem. How many are there? Five of them. He responds to every problem by pointing out, listen to me, you are not living what you say you believe. You're not living that way. And so he's going to talk about that. Now, just for the sake of reference, I want to give them to you again. I'm not going to go in detail, but I just want to give you. Uh, we made a statement last week, guys, that this letter was written for us as well. You go, what do you mean? Well, here's why. And you can jot this down if you're taking note. Why is this letter written to me? Because I believe it's to filter every area of our lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever area you're struggling, whatever area you're, you're, you, you have a problem with, whatever area you're trying to navigate through, he wants us to go, okay, here's the pattern. We look into the word of God and we filter that through the gospel lenses. That's what Paul wants us to do. So the five main problems in this young, this small, divided church, if you recall, in chapters 1 through 4, we learned last week that the church was divided. It was divided. There was divisions going on in this small church. Paul just left. 
And in verses 10 through 17, we're going to see that next week, we're going to learn more in detail what was going on. Why were they divided? I mean, that was quick. Paul responds quickly. He says, the church, guys, is a community of people centered around Jesus and not men. If you're taking note, you can jot this down. If you want to fall, if you want to spot a false teacher very quickly, they will not point you to Jesus. They will point inwardly to their ministry. They will point inwardly to who they are. They will say, you need to lift me up. I've got to do this for Jesus, but you need to lift me up. No, 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 no. A minister of the gospel says, I point people to Jesus. I can't do anything for you. I can't. I, I, okay, I'm listening. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, I've got to point you to Jesus. He's the only one that can then heal us and save us and walk with us and sanctify us as we see. And Paul says, I've got, it, it, this community here, It's centered around who? Help me, church. Jesus, not men. Not men. In chapters 5 through 7, we learned that the church had an issue with sex. There were a number of people sleeping around in the church. Dun, dun, dun. Ben, that sounds like today. Yeah, exactly. But in the church of Corinth, one guy in the church was actually sleeping, having sex with his stepmom. Paul has to address that. That's not right. Problem was, is that, that there were people in the church that said, oh, it's okay, it's fine. And we go, how is it fine? Well, we're under grace. We're free in Christ. Paul comes, no, 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 no. His response is, it's not fine. Guys, that's not right. He reminds them that Jesus died for their sins, including the ruined, broken relationships through sexual misconduct. Broken lives that happen through affairs and fornication and immorality goes, no, no, Jesus died for that. How could you do that? He's reminding them. I was thinking about this today. I've got a little five-year-old granddaughter who's growing up in a world that's sex-saturated. All our kids are, even more than what I remember. And we have to be so careful because that is what they're seeing every single day, whether they watch a a, a YouTube video or they watch uh, just a commercial. It's sex-saturated. That's what was going on in Corinth. And we have to be careful, y'all. We have to be careful because, again, Paul's going to address the problem. He says, no, no, no. See, these things, they lead to ruin. They lead to broken lives. Be careful. Be careful. In chapters 8 through 10, last week, we learned that the church was struggling with food. Really? They didn't get to eat donuts before service? No, no, no. To be more clear, it was food that was being offered to idols. Remember, they're in Corinth, okay? You've got some Orientals, you've got some Jewish people, you've got some Gentiles, you've got Greeks running around, and they all had different cultures, and they were offering food before they barbecued it, if you will. Now, there was a split between the Jewish and non-Jewish Christians about how we should respond to this issue. Do we eat? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't eat. Paul comes back and he says, first and foremost, he explains that our allegiance is to Jesus and not any other gods. And we need to love people more than food and not cause a brother or sister to stumble. That's what he says. And that's so, guys, that's so relevant in our day and age. Why? Because, guys, we are free. See, not all, all things are profitable for me, amen? But not all, I mean, all things are lawful for me, but not, but not all things are profitable. 
I mean, that's the whole thing. And he says, I will not be mastered by none. But you know where I see this happen the most, what causes people to stumble? Is when we're free to do something and we post it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be, and it might cause a brother or sister to stumble because they don't know the context in which you're doing it. Whatever it might be. We're free. But the problem is, is guys, in our effort to go, hey, look at me, I'm doing this, I'm eating this, I'm going here, I'm having this. The problem is, is that somebody out there who's on, who's on your friends list might go, oh, I didn't know it was okay too. dot, dot, dot. What's the point? We're, we're free to post something on Facebook, amen? But we're also free not to because we love people more. And if you want to post what you're cooking for lunch. I think that's awesome. Just have an invite, okay? That's what I'm just saying. If you're going to post, like, I'm making all this food. I look at Sister Olivia because she had some great food and never got an invite. Anyways, we'll take that off the tape. That's, that's just me. That's just me. In chapters 11 through 14, guys, we learned that the church struggled with worship, with church, with gatherings, right? That's what happens. And they were coming together for church and Bible studies. And some of the meetings were really powerful and the Holy Spirit was falling and others were saying, no, 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 I need to say, I have something to say. And, and, and Paul goes, no, 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 no. Listen, uh, the place of gathering should be a place where God's spirit should be working through everybody and it should be happening in a unified way. And here's what Paul is talking about. He talks about as a human body, we're one, but everybody has different functions. I'll never forget one day I was sitting in Calvary Chapel, Santa Fe, and I was just praying to the Lord, crying out to God, saying, God, could, if you could just use me in any way. And I was just worshiping God. How, what gifts do I have? How can I be part of the body? And then I didn't realize that as I was worshiping and praying, I was ministering to somebody who was on the worship team because he came up to me afterward and he says, man, you just encouraged me. I did? He said, yeah, you, you were just praying, and I could, see, I could see the glow of the Holy Spirit on your face. Whoa. See, we all have different gifts. He says, but we're one body. I didn't have to go, hey, let me preach. I've got something to say. I've got something to say. And I just sat there and said, God, how can you use me? And you know what, you know what the beauty is? Not only will we get fed in here, but as you go have a donut, someone comes up to you, and you're able to minister to them in a way that only they need at that time. That's a gift. That's a gift, guys. In chapter 15, we learned last week that the people in the church, some people in the church, did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. There were people in the church that said, no, 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 listen, Paul, I don't know, man, he's, you know, Paul, it could be cuckoo, I don't know what's going on, but there wasn't really a resurrection, and Paul goes, what? What? And so what Paul does is he responds in the gospel. He says the resurrection has to be an indispensable part of the gospel. You need to understand about it. Guys, we say the death, burial, and the resurrection has to be. It's essential to who we are and what we believe. And what we believe. So Paul comes back and he says, no, 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 you understand. You, the resurrection is, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, if there was no resurrection, Paul says, then we are a bunch of fools. We are, what are we doing here on Sunday morning? We need to be out having fun. He says, but Jesus did rise. And that's why you're here. And that's why you're coming in. Because your spirit is hungry and it wants to get fed. And we're going to look at that in chapter 15. And so that'll take us a while going verse by verse. But this morning, okay, everybody got that? 
we're going to start off with greeting to this little but amazing church. Here's what I noticed from the beginning, guys, and I want you to write this down. Write this down somewhere in your Bible. Write this down notes. But I want you to write this quote. If our conduct does not match our calling, then we're headed for trouble. If our conduct does not match our calling, then we're headed for trouble. Say that again one more time, Ben. If our conduct does not match our calling, then we're headed for trouble. In other words, in other words, if the way we behave does not match what we claim to believe, then we're headed in the wrong direction. If the way we behave does not match what we claim to believe, then we're headed in the wrong direction. Okay, let's jump into our text for today. If you're taking note, you see it on your bulletin. I'm calling this message, Grace and Greeting to a Messy Church. And in our study this morning, we discover in verses 1 through 9, they're broken down in two parts, okay? Verses 1 to 3 is simply the salutation and greeting. This is how Paul always writes the letter. Now, let me just tell you this. Whenever we write a letter, what do we do? Dear so-and-so, we'll write the letter, blah, 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 signed with love, whoever it is. Whenever you get a letter, you open it up, you look at, you'll, before you read it, oh, who's it from? Okay, and then you go back and read the letter. In their day, they just said, this is who it's from first. It makes more sense, doesn't it? Paul, that's how he does it. The whole greeting and salutation, but it's power packed in that. That's verses one through three. And then what Paul does, now remember, he knows that this is a messy church. He knows that this is a broken church. But he doesn't come off and go, oh, are you kidding me? I was with you for a year and a half. What is wrong with you people? Let me tell you some stuff you're doing. He doesn't do that because he loves people. And so he says, okay, let me just go through. And he gives, us an, he gives them an expression of thanks, an expression of thanks. Guys, this is so crucial whenever dealing with people. Okay, whenever we have to deal with people, I learned in business, in management, that if you're going to deal with people, you, before you reprimand somebody for what they're doing wrong or what you want fixed, you should always encourage them with what they're doing right. Hey, thank you so much for doing this. That's amazing. You're doing a really good job here. Man, I really like how you did here. Now, what we need to work on is this, this, and this, Right? That's, that's what Paul does. Paul says, listen, I've got some stuff I've got to say to you, but listen, that doesn't mean you're not people and you don't have feelings that aren't, that aren't going to get hurt. So I need to just, I need to give you an expression of thanks, and that's what he does, guys. Great application for us. So you guys ready to jump in? Verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle. If you have the New King James Version, it's in italics, which means it wasn't in the original language, the, the to be. It's basically call, Paul called an apostle. But they put it in there so we can read a little bit easier. Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what you could write on your Bibles is this is the standard greeting, but it's so in-depth. You go, what do you mean? 
Well, I mean, this is just amazing. I mean, think about it. It's so packed and so rich for us. So I have to unpack it just a little bit. Why? Because now Paul says, Paul, who was this guy, Paul? Paul used to be Saul. He was Saul of Tarsus. You guys remember he was a persecutor of the church until he met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. His conversion was amazing, literally being blinded by the light. You can look up this story in Acts chapter 9, but we do have a surprise for you coming in two weeks. We're going to actually look at Paul more in depth in Acts chapter 9, just so you can get a good feel, because he's writing this letter. That's who he says he is, Paul, an apostle, right? You go, an apostle? Yeah, here's what we need to understand. The apostle here, if you're taking note, you can circle that word. It means sent one. It's sent one. It's someone that's being sent on a mission. We have a form. Listen to me. We have a form of apostles in our missionaries. We have people that we go, okay, we're being, you're being sent. That would be a form. But apostle is such a, an amazing title that we have to chat about it for just a moment. Okay? Because in order to be called an apostle, three things had to happen. In order for you to hold the office of an apostle, three things had to happen. You go, what's that? First and foremost, you must have known Jesus for his three years of public ministry. You must have at least seen him, walked him, watched from him. You didn't have to be in the inner circle, but you go, okay, I see Jesus. I see what he's doing. That's the first thing. The second thing, guys, is that you needed to have heard of Jesus' life-changing teachings and be present to see his healings. That was part of it. Third, guys, listen, in order to be called an apostle, you had to have seen the risen Lord. You had to have. You go, Ben, 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 Ben. Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened? Well, here's what I want to see. I want to point out. Jesus went and prayed and he called his disciples. Later on, Peter decided we need a criteria because Judas went out and hung himself. We need to either pick another disciple slash apostle. So he made this criteria. The thing about it is Paul says, I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. And so I went back and I said, well, Paul, I don't know if you were really there. It doesn't say you were there, you know, watching Jesus teach. You might have been from a Pharisee standpoint, but it doesn't say. And then, but we understand, guys, check this out. We understand that Saul, he got He saw the risen Lord when he was on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. But the Bible says this, guys. It says that according to Galatians chapter 1, 12 through 17, write that down, that he he spent some time in Arabia and he was taught by Christ himself. And so go, oh, so the criteria is, number one, there's certain criteria. So you go, why do you tell me that, Ben? Here's why. I guys want you to be so careful when someone rises up and says, I'm an apostle. You're not an apostle. Unless you've seen the risen Lord, you're not the official title of an apostle. Guys, that's man trying to get pride, trying to raise him. I'm, listen, I'm pastor. I'm bishop. Well, I'm, I'm an apostle. Now, you know who I am? I'm Ben. Saved by grace. Saved by grace. The gift of teaching is his gift. We got to be so careful because according to Peter's criteria, we don't have modern day apostles. Now, there's a church out there would argue with me and probably beat me up or whatever it might be. I get it. But I'm telling you because I want you to see, be careful. Don't just swallow every, oh, that guy's an apostle. Oh, he must walk on water. 
No, 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 no. He's a man. He's a sinner. He's a sinner. There was only one sinless person. Who was that? Jesus, right? Everybody else? We're all the same, right? Romans says that we have all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all blown it. We've all missed the mark. That's all of us. We got to be so careful. We got to be so careful. So Paul says, listen, I was taught by Jesus. I saw the risen Lord. I said, I get it. I'm an apostle. And he says, I'm, I'm an apostle. So Paul is the author of this letter. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ, how? Through the will of God. And he mentions Sosthenes. You guys remember Sosthenes from last week? Most believe this was the leader of the synagogue that we talked about in Acts chapter 18. Okay, In Acts chapter 18, verse 7, he says, Then the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. See, the bro just got saved, and all of a sudden, people didn't like him getting saved because you should stick to your religion and not have a relationship. And it's so different today. It's so different. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what our church would look like if I said, Hey, how many of you really want to get saved? But you knew that if you raised your hand and you came and you prayed a prayer that you could get beaten or actually put in jail. Wow. It was a serious thing to be a Christian. It was a commitment that took everything you had to follow Jesus. Now we just put a bumper sticker on our car or we wear a t-shirt or we get a fish or um, I'm a Christian. It's like, no, no, no. Once we start to, here's the problem. When persecution comes our way, we, we, we forget about Christianity. Oh, I don't, well, I'm not about this Christian thing. I don't know. I was just, I was just fooling around. Sosthenes said, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they beat him as an example to all of you who wants, you want to be a Christian? Look what's going to happen to you. Look what's going to happen to you. Church, listen, I pray it never happens. I pray it never happens. I pray it never happens. But what if we are persecuted for our faith? And I don't mean that we lose TV privileges. We're going to cut off your cable if you don't renounce Jesus. I mean straight up persecution. Do you love Jesus that much that you're saying, listen, I we, I pray it never happens, but we're, we, we're headed that way. We're headed that way. And we're, we're within moments of, of, of somebody saying, you can't have Bibles anymore. You can't have Bibles anymore. I saw a video this week. I don't know if some of you saw it on my Facebook, but Pastor Wayne Cordero was, was telling this little story. just convicted me to the max. And he said he was teaching in China. And in China, guys, they would travel 13 miles to come to church. I mean, they would travel, yeah, 13 miles. 13 miles they'd come, two by two. They'd sit in a 300-square-foot room, no air conditioning, wood floors, not padded chairs. And the pastor would teach from 8 to 5. They were so hungry. And Pastor Wayne Cadero said, hey, what happens if we get caught? What happens if we get caught doing this? Because it's illegal to teach that. They said, well, you'll be deported in 24 hours, and we go to prison for three years. And, and, and Pastor's like, what? I mean, this blew my mind. But here's what got me. Here's what got me. At the end of the three-day conference, 
He said, how can I pray for you? I'm going back to the United States. How can I pray for you? And they pray, pray that we can be a church like yours, that we can meet anytime, anyplace, and, and, and be free to do it. And Pastor Wayne said, no, I will not do that. And they went, what? I will not do that. He said, you travel 13 miles to come to church. And where I'm from, if the church is, is any more than an hour, they won't come. You sat on the floor for eight hours with no air conditioning. He says, where I'm from, if they don't have padded seats, they won't come. He said, you heard me preach for eight hours. He says, if the sermon goes more than 40 minutes, they'll get up and leave. No, 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 no. I won't pray that you'll become like us. I pray that we become like you. I was so powerful. I was like, wow, wow. That's what Sosthenes was was saying. I'm going to do this. And then in verse 2, it says this, guys, the church of God, right, which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ with Lord, both theirs and ours. Here's what I want you to do in verse 2. I want you to circle the word sanctified. Sanctified, because he says this, to those who are sanctified. He's saying, hey, guys, you're sanctified. You go, what does that mean exactly? Well, here's what I love. It's in the perfect participle, and it's an action leaving a condition or state of lasting significance. In other words, you're sanctified, okay? So Paul, first and foremost, lovingly reminds them that they are continually sanctified. You go, what does that mean? Set apart for God's possession and use. That's what you are. Do you understand that? Calvary Chapel Lubbock, you are sanctified. You are set apart for God's use. That's what you are. That's what a believer is. Sanctified. You go, um, okay, so what does that mean? Well, if you're taking note, I need to give you this. There are three aspects to sanctification. Jot them down. Number one, it's positional. Positional. This is what happens when you get saved. Positionally, you're saved. Okay? When you gave your life to, you are sanctified. Your position is saved. Amen. You don't have to get baptized because positionally, that's how God sees you. That's sanctification. The second one, and you know this, the second one is progressive, progressive sanctification. What does that mean? It means that, guys, you continue to grow daily. You continue to be more like Jesus. It, it's, it, it plays out beautifully in, in, in little humans. You know how so? Well, when they're first born, they're real little, and they're going to grow, and they eventually grow up to be what? Mature adults. And that's how it is spiritually. You start out with a baby. You get saved, yeah, right? What do babies do? They, all, they cry, and they eat. And then every now and then, guess what? They poop their diapers. Ever been there? You go, yeah, that's how we spiritually, right? We get saved, and we just have food. I'm hungry. Oh, my gosh, I'm saved, and I want to eat. And then eventually you make a mistake, and it's like pooping your diaper. Like, oh, Oh, I was oh, a sin. But then you eventually grow, guys, to where you don't do that anymore. Progressive sanctification. And then the last one is ultimate, the ultimate sanctification. And that's when we get to heaven. We get to heaven. This week, we found out that a sister who Nathalie's been praying for about a year after Nathalie got diagnosed with, with breast cancer, this sister got diagnosed with breast cancer. And they did everything. They removed her breast. They did everything, chemo, radiation. 
she fought the good fight. But this past week, she graduated into heaven. We had went to see her in the hospital just a few weeks ago, and she seemed really good and really upbeat, and but cancer stinks. But what I love about this is that my God was there, and, and she graduated. She had the ultimate sanctification. Not because of what she did, not because of how she lived, but because of what Jesus did. That's, that's, that's positional. You understand that? And that's where you and I have rest. That's where you and I have rest. Positionally, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. So we're sanctified. Can I get an amen? amen. But he also calls them saints. He also calls them saints. Have you ever been called a saint? You're like, no, I'm not saint. Nothing. No, no, no. Here's the thing. A saint is anyone who accepted the Lord Jesus. So if you accepted the Lord Jesus, guess what? You're a saint. You're a saint. Can you imagine? This is so cool. Why? Because that, I don't know if it would be coach, but it's Saint Noe. That's who you are. Can you imagine? That's who he is. I know he's accepted. And then we got Saint Joe over there. That's pretty cool. Now, what I had fun with is that, is that I used this and, and, you know, Santos, guess what his name means? Saints. So he's Saint Saints. That's really crazy. Right? He's Saint Saints. But here's what I love. I'm just glad my name isn't Bernard. Okay? Because then I would be Saint Bernard, right? You guys got it. Come on, lighten up a little bit. Okay? There you go. There you go. But here's the thing. You really are a saint. And it's not a saint on, it's not a, yeah, where, where's Ryan when I need him? It, it's not a saint, guys, like we say, oh, he just, they live so, it's that you gave your, you're a saint. That's how he sees you. Corinth is a messy church. They're all, think about what's going on. And he goes, man, you guys are saints. You guys are saints. You guys are saints. Now, we have to do some work. Why? Because Paul tells this, this messy church, notice, he tells them, grace and peace to you. Notice what he says, that grace and peace to you, verse 3, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Guys, here's what I want you to know. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's why. Because you cannot experience the peace of God until you experience his amazing grace. Notice the order. It says grace and peace. And so he says, man, you have to experience the amazing grace. You have to understand who he is and what he's done for you. And that's what brings peace. Very quickly, guys, the grace of God always comes before the peace of God. And these two are Siamese twins. They go hand in hand. Paul always says grace and peace, grace and peace. If you go through his letters, he never says peace and grace. Because he knows, I cannot experience the peace of God until I've experienced the grace of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? How many of you know? Amen. So that's his salutation. And now he gives an expression of thanks. Notice, these are central verses for this book. Verse 4, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which is given to you by Christ Jesus. I love Paul. I love that he's thankful to God for this church. Also, that he thanks God for the gifts that were given. And why? Because they all belong to Jesus. 
And I was thinking this morning as I was worshiping, I was saying, God, not only do I want your heart, but I want the heart of Paul. Why? Because he thanks God for the Corinthian believers despite their immorality. Lord, thank you for them. He's thankful, guys, that they've come to Christ and that they're staying engaged with the Christian community. This provides an opportunity to go to work in them and through them. What happens to us is when we start walking away from God, when we start walking in sin, our normal reaction is not to come to church. Oh, no, I don't want to go. Man, I've been really messing up lately. I'm just, I'm just, things are a mess, bro. No, and, well, I really messed up last night. And Paul says, no, come anyway. Why? Because it gives God an opportunity to continue to work and cleanse you and purify you. And that's what he says, and I thank God for you. I thank that no matter what's going on right now, and I know you know because the power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you and is convicting you, you're still here. I love his heart. Why? He's got a heart for people. The church is made up with people. Is it not made up with, with messy people? Is it not made up of misfits? Right? We are socks that don't match. Right? We are, we are pants that one leg is longer. Than, we're misfits. We're in the section. That's who we are. Paul says, but, but you're sanctified. And you're saints. I love you guys. I thank God for you. I thank God. Here's why. As Paul realizes that, that the church, everybody's in it together. We're brothers and sisters. And when I look at Sister Marie, that's what it means. It's a sister. And I told somebody the other day that we're the biggest dysfunctional family there is, the church. Aren't we? We got the crazy aunt over here that, you know, and we got the crazy cousin that you just don't invite to the birthday parties because he's crazy. But we're all family. We're family. Paul says, thank you. Verse 5. He says, thank you that you were enriched, guys. You were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance, in all knowledge. Even as a testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short with no gift, eagerly waiting the revelation of Lord Jesus, verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, in other words, he says, through God, through Jesus, God has enriched your church in every way. Can we agree to that? Can we agree that this church, God has done that? You go, amen. He says, with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge, this confirms what he has told you that Christ is true. Now, you have every spiritual gift, he says, that you will need as you eagerly await the return of Jesus Christ. Can we agree, church, really, that Jesus is coming soon? We can agree. So he's given us every spiritual gift. So how do we impact this? Guys, if you're note takers or underliners, we first must recognize the word everything in verse 5 because in the original Greek, it's the emphasis is like everything you've ever needed. Okay? And he says this, you ready? We are enriched in everything through Jesus. In other words, he says, we lack nothing. We lack nothing so that you come short in no gift. The present infinitive, it means it's a process or habit. Here's what he's saying. He says, you do not lack nothing. You go, well, Ben, you said no gift. What is he talking about? You guys see that? It's actually a spiritual gift. It's spiritual gift. Okay, he's saying to you and I, check this out. 
Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, pastor, but I said amen. Okay, well, let me explain it, okay? Why is this important? Because spiritual gifts, listen to me, are the are abilities that God gives believers in order that we may serve him, in order that we walk with him. 1 Peter 4.10 says that every believer has at least one gift. You go, what are you talking about? Guys, think about this. Here's the point. Here's the point. You ready? We as a church body have the same spiritual gifts to help us not be messy. That's what he's saying. He's helping us. Gifts help us in obedience. You want to be obedient to the Lord? He's given you a spiritual gift to, to be obedient to him. Oh, I didn't know that. That's what Paul said. He says, guys, listen, I know, it's a, I know, you're, I know you're a mess, but, I've, but, but Jesus has given you a gift. So that you can be obedient. You go, what else, Pastor? He's given us a gift, guys. Think about it. To love. To love. Here's what we're called to do. We are to call, we are called to love. You know, Pastor, that's not a problem. We're called to love the unlovables. We're called to love the down and outers. We're called to love people. We're called to love people. Yesterday, in the men's study, it was so cool because we learned that it's not us versus them. Is that that's who I was. How can I love somebody? Because that was, that was me. That was me. And even if you were born in the church, your mama had you right on the pew, you're still a sinner. And you can love people because you know that was me. That was me. He gives us gifts, guys, to share his grace. In other words, he's saying we, we, really, we really lack nothing. Here's what I want you to say. We really lack nothing. Lack no, one more time. We really lack nothing except for one thing. You go, Ben, I thought we didn't lack any. Here's what we lack. Except for the fact that we don't apply these gifts to help us. We know about it, but we're going, oh, okay. And I love that Paul, knowing all that's going on in the church, still reminds them who they are in Christ. Ooh, that's deep. Next time you have a brother and sister who's struggling and they're knee deep in sin, instead of turning your back on them, remind them who they are in Christ. Remind them how much God loves them. That's what Paul does. And it's almost like Paul is saying, God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things all wrapped up by Jesus. Isn't that great? I need that. I'll be honest with you. Without Jesus, I'm a mess. I need him to go, okay, he's going to be right here. Lord, should I go this way? Nope, nope, don't go that way. Okay, <laughs> cool. And I love that. Why? Because I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know eventually God's going to wrap this thing up. He's going to wrap this thing up. And you and I, we're going to have a blast in heaven, aren't we? We're going to be talking about stuff. I remember, remember Joe, you used, yeah, remember, yeah. Remember Joe when, when we were playing golf and did you, you remember Joe's like, I'm going to go talk to somebody else over here. I'm going to go over here. 
It's going to be great. Why? We're going to have great fellowship. But I figure after about 10,000 years of worshiping the Lord, then we'll kind of go, hey, hey. And then Paul says in verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. Guys, think about this. The fellow Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul uses the Greek word koinonia right here. Koinonia, it means to fellowship. It means to join together. Guys, the purpose, the purpose. Listen, God intended for the Corinthian believers to be joined together in Christ. That's what he wanted. Instead, what did they do? They focused on leaders and teachers, which among many other things caused division in their church. Paul says, no, 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 listen to me. Listen, God is faithful by whom you were called to fellowship, to koinonia, to be joined together in Christ, in Christ. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. I talked to a pastor friend of mine the other day, big church, love this man. And he told me this that stuck in my heart. Guys, we don't have time to mess around with little stuff. We don't have time. Pastor, what do you mean? He says, we just, we need to reach people with the gospel. We're running out of time. And what the devil wants to do is get us divided well, I don't like them. I don't like them. Well, I don't like when they do that. Well, I don't like the stage. Well, I don't like the music. He says, we don't have time for that. We, we just don't have time. I'm not going to put up with that. We've got, a, we've got a city to reach. And then he looked at me and goes, Ben, don't you love Lubbock? Don't you love the people in Lubbock? And I was like, yes, yeah. Yes. He says, you don't have time to play around. Let's go. Let's go. That's what he's saying. We don't have time for these little divisions. Do they love Jesus? Yes. Do they come to Calvary? No. That's okay. We're still brothers. We don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. So let's close. Let's close our Bible study, guys. I want to close as the worship team makes their way up. Here's what I want to do. I want to close with this quote. Okay, now you need to listen because here's what happens. Pastor says it's close. Everybody closes their Bible. They start. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Here's what Warren says. They were waiting for Christ's return, but were not living in the light of his coming. They're waiting, but they weren't living it. Through the Corinthians, were, though the Corinthians were sinful on earth, God would be able to present them blameless in heaven. We should not use this passage as an excuse to sin. Rather, it should be seen as an encouragement that God is faithful, even though we may fail him, unquote. That's what Warren Wearsby says. And I love the heart of Paul. He has been transformed by Jesus. This church is a mess right now. Yet Paul takes the time to tell them that he loves them. Can I just tell you, God loves you. And I know the devil has done a great job of trying to make you doubt that. Don't doubt it. Jesus loves you, and I love you. Paul takes the time to say, I think of you often. 
I didn't just plant this church in a year and a half, and then I'm just like, forgot it. Who was the way in Corinth? Who was the pastor? He says, I think of you guys often. I think of you often. And he says, and I want to remind you your position in Christ. I want to remind you. Oh, by the way, do you know how beautiful you are? You know how beautiful you are? You see, Paul knows, listen to me, Paul knows this church is made up of people, messy people, broken people. Let us never, let us never ever forget that, lest we, lest we become legalistic. Next week, church, Paul, the gloves are coming off. He's got to tell them some things. And he's going to admonish this group. He does it lovingly, but he speaks the truth in love. And I've already looked at it before, and I'm like, oh, that's going to be a space maker. Not that we need to make space, but but people, it's it's Paul. Paul. He admonishes them for this reason, guys, for this saying. You ready? Truth without a relationship leads to rejection. Rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. Discipline without a relationship leads to bitterness, anger, and resentment. Yet a relationship without rules leads to chaos. He says, it's all about a relationship. That's what it's about. It's about a relationship. And that's what Paul says. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful greeting. I thank you for the saints that you've called in Lubbock, Texas. I thank you that your word moves mightily and your spirit was beautiful today. Lord, my prayer, first service, second service, Walmart, whatever it might be, that everybody of you knows, everyone in here knows you. And Lord, I'm, I, I'm aware that people come in every Sunday morning from all walks of life, and I don't know where they are with you, Jesus. And I know many people have come in feeling the same way I felt. Lord, I feel like I'm a million miles away from you. If that's you today, know that you're, you may feel that way, but you're also only one decision in coming back to Jesus. And he doesn't make mistakes. He brought you here. He brought you here for that very reason. Listen, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. If God is speaking to your heart and you don't know where you are with Jesus, but you want to surrender your life to him, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand in just a minute. Raise your hand. Why do I have to raise my hand, Pastor? The reason I want you to raise your hand is because I want God to see your heart. Well, what does it mean if I raise my hand? That I have to join this church? Do I have to give money? No, 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 no. Here's what I want you to do. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And I don't want you to leave this church without a relationship with Jesus. I don't want you to leave this church without asking him to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you and, and give you a new lease on life. 
but it's up to you. Because many people walk in here on a Sunday morning and they've never given their life to Jesus. Many people walk in on a Sunday morning and they're struggling and many people have walked away from God. But God has a way of opening his arms and telling you he loves you. And I want you to know that I love you too. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to surrender. I want to come back to Jesus. My heart is broken and I need the Lord. I just need prayer right now. Would you lift, just lift up your hand right now and I'll just pray for you. I'll just acknowledge you. Nobody else will see you. It's between you and the Lord. All you have to do is just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, me, pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you, sir. I see you. God bless you. Pray. I see him in the middle back there. Yep. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I thank you for the hands that were raised, Lord, and I pray that your spirit would speak to them, that they would confess their sin to you and have a relationship with you, that their sins would be forgiven, God, and that they would invite you into their heart and into their lives. They would repent from their sins to follow you, Jesus. We ask that in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. And amen, 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 amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.